But where are you really from? A podcast about the Asian American struggle. Hey everyone, I'm Angela Lin, and I'm Jesse Lin, and welcome back to another episode of But Where Are You Really From? Today we have a special guest coming from the UK, and she is going to provide a very different perspective from Jesse and mine's. As we are Asian Americans, she's going to bring the British Chinese context.、Um, so we have Natalie. Want to give yourself an introduction? Hey everyone! Thank you so much for having me on your podcast.、I'm、very excited.、Um, I spent a lot of time listening to Asian American podcasts before I started my own called Yellow Bee Pod.、Um, so it's really great to be able to connect.、Um, you're right. I'm British-born Chinese, and the "born" is specific. I think that's something that people say a lot、um, to make sure they include that in there. But and I am based in London. Cool. And I think you already touched on it, but、uh, we always like to ask. But where are you really from? Is there anything additional to what you just said that you would ask if someone asked you that right now? The classic question, Emma.、Um, yeah, I think my standard answer is that I'm British-born Chinese. I'm from London, but specifically, my mum's from Malaysia. Cool. How、oh, interesting. In America, we do like we, we shorthand to ABC for American-born Chinese. Is there like BBC? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. But BBC can have multiple meanings, and we also have a TV channel like、yeah. BBC. So,、um, yeah, I would use that if I was among other, you know, quote BBCs. But if I wasn't, <laughs> I wouldn't risk it because it just has too many other meanings. Cool. Okay, so. We're really just going to compare and contrast our experiences growing up in totally different parts of the world.、Um, being sounds like you are also first generation, or are your parents、um, like were they already British themselves prior, or did they immigrate to the UK and then had you? I'm like. One and a half. When my mum immigrated from Asia to the UK, but on my dad's side, he's also British-born Chinese, and on my、oh. dad's side, my grandparents they immigrated from Hong Kong. Oh, cool! Yeah, there's already different stuff there because、um, both of our parents were born and raised Taiwan,、yep. and then、yep. moved to California, and then had us、mm-hmm. separately. Isn't that <laughs>、yeah. quite typical in your communities? Because in the UK, like I think I know the whole of one Taiwanese person. Oh really? Well, I think it's changed a lot since we grew up. So Justin and I grew up in Orange County, California, and、um, when we were growing up, it was mostly Taiwanese people that were there if they were of like Chinese descent.、Um, but it's shifted a lot since then. So I would say probably from like the late two thousands onwards, it's been mostly like mainland Chinese that have been. Uh, coming in because obviously the country in general has gotten like a lot richer and a lot of people are are moving to the U.S. So growing up though, definitely it was like mostly Taiwanese. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I think this is one of the material like interesting differences already that we're seeing is that、yeah. like our composition of Asian immigrants, because obviously as we've discussed, like Asian encompasses like so many different kinds of people, is quite different here than I think anywhere else, and and the his history and background of Those people in immigrating to the United States or to Great Britain is very different as well. Yeah, I, I've got to say I like had never really met any people from like Malaysia or the or like Singapore, more of the you know island, <laughs> other island nations beyond Taiwan、um, until college and grad school. 
So because there, I don't think there are that many, um, at least on the West Coast in America. Yeah, I wouldn't necessarily say that there were lots of Malaysian, Singaporean, etc. Um, immigrants in the UK. But they were like British colonies, like a lot of other countries right. that were part mm-hmm. of this British Empire or part of the Commonwealth. So there is that connection there that has sometimes, I think, helped the, those who were immigrating in the past. That sort of helps them to make that decision about where they're going to go, it's about the countries that they are familiar with or know the language of as well. Um, but I don't think there's a lot of like Chinese people in the UK who have mm-hmm. linked with um, Malaysia and Singapore and that's why I always say that my mom is from Malaysia because it's really easy for other British-born Chinese people to assume that both my parents immigrated mm. from Hong Kong which is probably the most uh, uh, the most common one here again British colony right makes sense I mean that's one similarity right that we're all like oh actually our parents are just from sometimes I'm just like oh my parents are just from China for the sake of simplicity but oh, other people do that. the same kind of, <laughs> but other people do the same kind of lumping too, right? They're like, oh, you're yeah. from China. Yeah. yeah. I don't like that though, because then they always <laughs> like to tell me things about China that I, oh, yeah. like, I don't know anyone there. Unfortunately, I haven't been yet. Um, and I feel like they just want to project whatever they know about the, yes. the, the nation of China mm-hmm. on me. That's so funny. Actually, what's funny, because Jesse, I never tell people my parents are from China, but when I say Taiwan, some people don't know what Taiwan is. So like sometimes they're like, is that Thailand? Is that the same thing? I'm like, oh boy. (laughs) But okay, so you mentioned your parents are different generation, I guess, immigrants too. That's already something very different. I'm curious if the way that your mom and your dad brought you up, like their parenting towards you was slightly different, perhaps because of one already being like totally immersed in British culture prior and one being an immigrant is was there any noticeable difference growing up yeah I think there are some differences especially when I compare to perhaps other British born Chinese people because even though like in my household we grew up speaking Cantonese which is pretty um common for Chinese communities in the UK um but it was slightly different because my dad is British born Chinese like myself and like we all know if you are born in the west our mindset with things and our experiences are very different and it's also the case that we didn't choose to immigrate over here or to where we are now where we are now a minority group whereas sometimes I feel like those who have immigrated by choice um, they are much more maybe more resilient where they just suck up when people are like really racist to them whereas Mm my experience people in our generation or people who are born in the west are more um critical of situations like that rather than just accepting it as a something that because we feel like we we shouldn't have to deal with that as someone who's also a citizen of that country so you mentioned racism and i feel like covid is a special time we're all dealing with uh you know a heightened sense of asian uh, anti-asian racism as a result of that but let's remember old times before that, I guess, and just like in general, thinking about um, the makeup of different racial groups in the UK. I'm curious, first of all, like, how big of a representation is the broader Asian, you know, racial groups um, within the UK compared to other racial groups? And then like, how much 
racism really is there on a normal non-COVID time frame because the UK is pretty well I guess London is special but like I, I only think about London and it seems like a pretty like mixed in like metropolitan uh multicultural place but I know the UK is freaking huge so it depends on where you grew up I'm sure yeah definitely well firstly I can only really share my experiences with things um and I think something that we touched on before is how big Asia is. So when we talk about the Asian community, <laughs> there really is like so many different ethnic groups and cultures, yeah. languages, etc. encompassed within that. But in the UK, something which I think is very different to the US is that when you say Asian, it's more likely to mean South Asian than East mm. or Southeast Asian. And this is something which I think is a huge difference. I think it might be down to, you know, whoever got here first and claimed that term or whoever has the larger population. And in the UK, there is a ginormous South Asian population. So like Indians, uh, Pakistanis, Bengali mm-hmm. people as well. And yeah, like really, really big communities across um, lots of different cities in the UK. Um, so when you say Asian, in the UK, it often means South Asian first and foremost, mm. and that's even reflected on our census forms. So on our census forms, which aren't very good, they have a subheading that says Asian, under which it says a few South Asian nationalities. And oh. then it has in a whole different section under other, so not Chinese does not come under Asian. Oh, wow. Hmm. Always something really interesting, because when you're looking at data you know the data that's recorded from you know science research healthcare or the police or whatever it is you really got to interrogate what when they say you know asian communities are affected what do they actually mean is chinese included in that or not because mm-hmm. it depends on how they've referenced their data um and so that's the box that i tick but then all the other east and southeast asian countries are not listed at all so it's not wow. ideal it's not great but that also means that we can't really I can't really give you a number of or the uh, percentage of the population which are East and Southeast Asian because we don't we just don't know it. But the percentage of Chinese people is like less than one percent. Hmm. Wow, that's wow. that's smaller than I was expecting. Same, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like you already clearly know this, but yeah, when when you say Asian in the U.S., it it does not include South Asian, Southeast. Well, Southeast Asian, yes, Depen- but no, depends. Yeah. South Asian is like, I don't know, sometimes they want to be part of the Asian umbrella, sometimes they don't. But usually when people say Asian, they're not thinking South Mm -hmm. Asian, like it's a separate thing. Let's talk about then, since you are one of, you said 1% of the population, um, what was that like growing up? Because I think one of the common threads for Jesse and me and a lot of Asian Americans growing up is like, we weren't treated the worst per se, right? Like we're still a model minority. There are other racial groups that are definitely treated worse than than we were. Um, and we also grew up in a more diverse part of the country. So it's not like we were odd, like gonna stand out because we were Asian or, or Chinese or Taiwanese. Um, but there was this like constant sentiment where we were like, you know, I wish I was white. <laughs> like life would be a lot easier if I was white. Um, and that's definitely the way that we grew up. I'm curious what was going through your head when you were growing up, when you're looking at like, you know, the other kids around you and how they were interacting with you. Was there a similar sentiment or is there something kind of distinct uh, based on where you grew up? 
Yeah, I think there there definitely are a lot of similarities, which is why I leaned into so much um, Asian American media growing up. I went to a school which was predominantly white. I think I was the only like East or Southeast Asian person in my my year group at school. Mm. Um, but growing up so in school, I never really realised that some of the things that people were saying to me were actually race racist, like race um, related. Um, in my head, it was just normal because I'd never not been a Chinese woman, you know, like I'd never experienced life in a different body and I never will. So I sometimes find it difficult to identify where I have ex- um, had um, experiences of being discriminated against. But some sometimes it's just very overt, like things, you know, there's these sort of like playground taunts that anyone can get really, anything that you have or do that's different. And kids are cruel. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Um, so these sort of things, but that's absolutely not to normalise it. But and what I find really scary now, like with as an adult with that hindsight, is how yeah normalised it is. But where, also, where do the kids learn it from? Because kids don't come out the womb knowing uh, racial stereotypes. Mm-hmm. And also in terms of um, your name, and I don't know whether you have had similar experience to this, but. When I was in sort of my earliest years of school, so up until the age of maybe seven or eight, I was registered under my like legal middle name, which is my Cantonese name. Mm-hmm. And so there would always be sort of comments or, you know, I don't want to say jokes, but, you know, people making fun of me for my name, which is not a, I don't know, a Western name, a biblical name. <laughs> right. In hindsight, that's not okay. But at the time, it was really normal, you know? I never really thought anything of it. The middle name thing is interesting because I, so Jesse and I both have Chinese names. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know about Jesse, your legal name, but my legal name, I don't have my Chinese name as my middle name, but my nope. brother does. And I remember when I was growing up, uh, I remember him getting made fun of because his, Chinese name was his middle name and people couldn't pronounce it or they're like what's that that's funny and like I remember a sense of like um relief on my side of like oh thank god my parents didn't put my Chinese name as my middle name because for me growing up it was like how do I reject all parts of my my Asianness that's like making me different from everyone else um so yeah that's a it's funny you bring that up because I, I definitely have memories. <laughs> I also feel like even though we both have like American names, it was still very much something that people would ask. They'd be like, what's your real name? And oh, then you'd yeah. be like, well, what do you mean? Like, this is my legal real name. Um, and I don't think my name is that funny, but it is not common. I th- feel like for an Asian dude, to have yeah, the name Jesse, so people would ask me all the time, like, "What's my real name?" And I'd be like, "Well, that's my real name. Like, you mean my like Chinese name? It's completely different. It doesn't sound anything like what my English name is." I think some people think that they're like they thought it was like a phonetic translation or something like that. I was like, "No, it's it's just an English name." Yeah, that's so frustrating when people ask questions like that. They're just making so many assumptions. I was thinking about something you were saying, and I'm really interested in understanding like how the general population views diversity, like what their perspective is on it, like if it's important, if they're interested in seeking that, because that's it, diversity has always been, I feel like, a huge pain point in the U.S. because of um, like the racial policies of the past, and I feel like sometimes in talking to 
uh, European friends or I, Angela, I don't know if you had the same experience, but I kind of feel like when I was in Spain, people would be like, you guys, like people would tell me that like Americans talk about race too much or they're too easily offended yeah. about like racial things. And I'd be like, really? Like, are we, are we really sensitive or is it just that like you guys don't have enough focus on that or you don't see it in a more critical way? In the UK, it is really, really varied and you never see the opinions come out more than on Twitter, which I'm trying to spend less time on because oh, it's just about my mental well-being. But for, so, for example, in London, Angela, you're right in saying it's a very ethnically diverse place. Um, as I said, there's there's huge South Asian populations, but also black communities um, and other ethnic groups as well. Um, so much so, in fact, that there's, you know, areas of London which... They have like, you know, the train station sign is written in a South Asian language because mm. there's such a big community there. And that there's people there who never sort of leave that community and always speak their um, home, their mother tongue. But so London has like campaigns about, you know, diversity and, you know, how Londoners really do come from all different walks of life. But then you also see a lot of kickback to that. What I say to that is, if you don't have to think about race all the time, if you're in a position where you you think like race is being spoken about too much, that's a position of privilege because you don't have to think about it. And in some cases, I would also put myself in that group because I've never, I haven't experienced too much like overt racism and not in my adult life as well, um, which means that I can go through some parts of life without thinking about my ethnicity ethnicity or the dynamics in the in the room in the with other people's ethnic identities I think it's important to have these conversations but sometimes and sometimes I feel like the U.S. voice is so loud in terms of (laughs) politics and media that like everyone else just gets sucked into this tornado as well and maybe that's not a bad thing because U.S. politics will definitely affect us here in the UK um but it is it is loud (laughs) We're just well, allowed people in general. We're told and large. that when we're abroad as well. <laughs> but we absorbed, you know, so much American media, whether that's, you yeah. know, movies and music, etc. So it makes sense. So I'm wondering if any of the same stereotypes that we've discussed, such as like model minority, also apply in the UK, where like people see South Asian or Asian people the same way that they see here, where it's like these people are like, industrious and hardworking and thus they're like a tier above like all of the other race races yeah I think there definitely is a sense of like the model minority trope particularly in the workplace um more about you know if I if I work really hard and keep my head down then I'll be rewarded that's how I'll fit in that's how I'll find success I think it's definitely more so the case with East Asians and that's something that we are talking about more and more and hopefully we will see more East Asian people stepping up and speaking out um whatever it is that they're passionate about that's really something that I would like to see here in the UK because if you asked you know the average British person you know name someone of who's British or British and East or Southeast Asian, they will really struggle, I think. Hmm. Like, it's not, there's not that many public figures in the past. There, there might have been some celebrities with some um, East or Southeast Asian heritages, but they might not have spoken about it, so you, we might not even realise that um, they have these ethnic identities. So that's something I hope to see improve, you know, not just in the entertainment um, space, but also in politics and sport and journalism, etc. 
Um, I'm curious because you mentioned that there are such big communities of, especially like South Asians, that sometimes the signs are in their local language and whatnot. Um, I'm curious if there is a problem with like um, non, I'll just, whatever, white <laughs> British people um, seeing other minorities like South Asians and other minority groups as like not British and like still kind of separate because I, I could kind of see that versus like in the US um, because but there, it's not like you just like walk into a, a city or a county and like everyone is only speaking a different language. Like there is not that sentiment. So there is this kind of like unifying thing of like, okay, well, we're all, we're all Americans, but like you're also like Mexican or you're also Chinese or whatever. Like uh, there is that more like holistic umbrella. So I'm curious if that still applies or if there is still more of a contentious like debate over the definition of what makes someone British. Yeah, um, this is something I've been thinking about a lot <laughs> because I've always, yeah, as I said, I count myself as British and Chinese, so British born Chinese, but there definitely are sort of conversations as I imagine that there are in the US as well about, you know, who belongs here or, you know, yeah. the media loves to whip up fuss about immigration and um, asylum seekers. I definitely see commentary in the UK. And actually, I would say I was going to say that I don't associate with people like that. But even some of um, people like my colleagues, or people who are sort of within my social circle surprise me sometimes with their um, opinions on immigration, who belongs here. And sometimes when I'm in these conversations with white people, I'd wonder whether they forget that I'm an ethnic minority as well. <laughs> or that the people that they're speaking about could be, you know, my family members. Mm. Um, and it always comes from a point of ignorance, but they don't realise like how um, horrible the impact, the wider impact of these opinions can be. Um, but I think something that is very different for me is whether you would describe yourself as British or English, which is mm, different. So, like, England is a country within Great Britain. And, yes, I guess I am English because I was born here. But I would never describe myself as English because I would associate that more with the ethnic group. Whereas mm -hmm. the term British is sort of more linked to your nationality, your citizenship. Like, it's almost like I have this document, this passport, and you can't take that away from me. <laughs> well, maybe I can. I shouldn't jinx it. But I have that, you know, proof that I am British, whereas people would argue with me that I'm not English. So I wouldn't even oh. argue with that, even though it's like I've only ever lived in England. So that sort of thing is, I think is uh, really interesting because I do see a trend where the term English is used by a lot of far right people, um, but also mm. more so the term British is as well. And I think since the like Brexit four years ago, that's mm. even more the case where people... Um, really want to highlight this British identity but when they talk about that most of the time ethnic minorities do not fit into what they're talking about um, mm. so I'm kind of worried that the term British will be uh, changed or taken away from ethnic minority mm. communities. I mean when you were just talking about like people who put their foot in their mouths about stuff like that I was like oh my god I cannot there are so many times where people say that like about the Asian identity or about because I'm gay or about being gay and they're like oh wait but we don't mean you. Yeah, you're one like, of the good ones. Hold on, like this is like this is who I am. Like 
This is very confusing. Um, but to piggyback off of what Angela was asking about, for those people who do immigrate to the country legally, like what is the opinion of, let's say, an English person or someone who's lived there for generations in terms of how they expect this immigrant to conform to English or British society? That's really interesting. And I would say that in the UK, I do think there is this expectation that people will come here to assimilate and it's um, considered strange if they don't end up learning the language. But then similarly, I don't think there's really support for them to do that either. Mm. I mean, if I immigrated to another country, I would 100% be finding people who spoke the same language as me and building, you know, finding my community. So I completely understand why those who have immigrated to the UK have done that as and found their little pockets. If you look at sort of some East or Southeast Asian communities who have immigrated to the UK, for example, something that I learned recently was a couple of decades back where there was a significant um, pressure for the UK to take in Vietnamese refugees. They were actually um, like deliberately spread into lots of different like parts of the country so that I think the motive behind that was to discourage you know one large Vietnamese community and when you hear things like that it's no wonder that we all feel like we all grew up in a white suburb because there definitely was some motive there behind it but it could also be you know for other things where it's just like your parents wanted to open a Chinese takeaway and they couldn't all open a Chinese takeaway in the same town <laughs> but who knows? it's just interesting to see like these trends do we want to spend this next like section discussing about the whole like growing up and wishing you were white kind of situation we touched upon up top I mean I can kick it off (laughs) if you guys would like yeah definitely it's a big one (laughs) yeah here's the thing it's it's like as Angela said like we weren't mistreated in any way like honestly I don't think anyone said anything like racially insensitive like specific like a slur or anything like that um growing up but there's definitely this sense of like otherness because when you look around at the media and like the portrayals of things that are desirable and what everyone and even what everyone is in school trying to do like a lot of it is focused around this like nuclear suburb like white looking family and like heteronormative values And so even though there's no intention of trying to be like, there's no direct intention of trying to be exclusionary of Mm -hmm. Asian people or of people of other kinds of communities, but the enforcement of that message and the singularity of it, like it, it creates an otherness, right? It creates alienation. And so growing up, I feel like that's what I largely felt like you never really see yourself represented. And so it's really hard to, be secure in yourself because you can only pick your own identity from yourself and your experiences. You can't be like, if you were white, you could pick some of your experiences identity from the messages that you saw in popular culture and what's like the main messaging. Mm -hmm. Right. So it's, it, it was just, it just made everything more difficult growing up and more challenging to really piece together who you are. And at some points you kind of give up and you're just like, I want to, fall into this like prevailing narrative and I want to be white and I want to have all of those things because it's just so difficult to try and figure out the other thing which there's no clear path or like model for 
Yeah, I feel like when you're a kid, all you want is to be accepted. And mm -hmm. like, I would agree with what you said, Jesse, like, I don't think people were explicitly telling me like, you don't belong here or anything like that. But just looking around and seeing like, oh, who are like the popular kids? And, like, what's the mm -hmm. makeup of that group? And it would be all white kids or like, there's a token Asian. I'm like, <laughs> How did they get so lucky to like break into that group? And then I also noticed they like, because they also reject everything about their Asian-ness is how they are able to do that. Like, but there was definitely a sense for me of like, oh, well, that spot is filled. So I guess that can't oh, be me. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's that's always how it felt. And then you look around and you're like, oh, well, the other minorities, well, you said you grew up as like probably the only <laughs> Chinese person around you. So it's probably different for you. But for us, we had definitely we had um, other Taiwanese people. We had uh, Orange County had like a good Persian population mm -hmm. and Middle East. Uh, yeah. So you, you would see the other kids, but like they were in their own groups too, or like we minorities would mix with each other, but like the, we would not mix too much with the white kids. Like that's just, you just look around and you happen to see that that's like the clustering of, mm -hmm. of people. And you're like, I guess this is normal. So I guess I don't belong with, with the like popular kids, which I always coveted and was like, oh, why can't I be as cool as they are? You know, like they're just it's because when you're growing up, it's all just like, how do I be like the most accepted, the most loved? And like, I guess I will never achieve that because I'm not born a certain way. Hmm. Yeah, I think it is such a sensitive topic, but it's good to have that like, open conversations about it. And the reason I'm interested in it is because I like growing up, I didn't I never wanted to be white. And that is, but it's a conversation that I'm having more and more frequently with other British Asian people where they did, and particularly in the case of women and beauty standards. Yeah. And I think that's something which is quite like scary and also really sad because don't, don't teenagers already have enough pressure on themselves? And oh, yeah. There's some things about your like appearance that you just can't change, and ethnicity is a big one of them. But yeah, it's human nature to want to fit in. And I think what happens in the playground is reflected in you know all parts of life and we can't act like you know adults are better than that or adults are different to that while I didn't want to be white and I perhaps didn't consciously reject my Asian heritage but there was definitely a case where I was trying to distance myself with Asian people who are not British born and British raised mm. um, and I think that was a real like learning curve for me in order to just realize my internalized racism there, basically. Um, and I think that's something which we, everyone who's had that experience, we really needs to unpack. And it's, yeah, I love like these spaces to have these really authentic and personal conversations about a topic which can be quite difficult. And it's certainly not something which I would be talking about with people who I didn't feel like would get it, regardless <laughs> of their identity. Do you also use the phrase fresh off the boat? in the uk or is that a yeah US? but i'm trying not to because i've yeah. only ever used it in a way that i'm trying to distance myself from them so yeah well i thought about it because you you said that because we definitely mm -hmm. did that too growing up where we're like oh the, that's the fob group that's the like the fobby group and like we're not yeah. we're american age like we <laughs> we always made that distinction we as belong. well yeah, no, you're like constantly justifying your place in society yeah. of like, well, I, I was born here, so I don't count as like one of those, you know, external people. Well, let's move on to something more fun. 
Yes. Um, so we'll move into our clothes. And our clothes is always a fortune cookie. That's what we like to call it because we always like to end on a sweet treat. Um, what we'd love to hear from you is your favorite localized things that are fusions that like integrate the original culture, but is like mixed in distinctly with British culture. So like in the U.S., um, one of my favorite things is Korean Mexican food because that's a very like Los Angeles thing specifically actually, but it's not like spread out to everywhere in the U S but it started because in LA there is a part of the city where, um, Korean people, like there's a huge Korean population and then there's a huge Mexican population that happened to like share the same, um, like zip code essentially and so there was like huge influence food wise between the two and then Roy Choi I think he created Korean Mexican fusion food and it's like delicious and it's one of my favorite things um but it's so American in my mind because it is like this the mix of two distinct cultures that doesn't exist that wouldn't have existed right if these two groups hadn't uh, been in the same place in the U.S. at the same time. So I'm curious if there's something that is kind of like that, like a fusion-y thing that you you really like about the U.K. It doesn't have to be food, but that's a that could be a starting point. Yeah. No, I do think food is a big one, and there's definitely sev- several parts of London which are sort of up and coming, aka newly gentrified, where there's a lot of these <laughs> independent food spots. Like they're all over in all the directions of London, and they not necessarily fusion, but definitely more East and Southeast Asian food is becoming trendy, and that's great, particularly mm. for people who are for of that ethnic group and are able to start businesses based on that as long as it's people from the ethnic group I'm happy <laughs> and I wouldn't nice. say that it's necessarily fusion but it's probably not you know the authentic or food that they get yeah. home necessarily yeah. maybe it, it does already have the western influences that I just don't know because I'm coming at it from that western point of view and I think that's something that's really really great and also something which I think is Growing and new is the British Asian community that has come together online and using the term Asian as a collective for East and Southeast Asians as well, more and more. Um, I wouldn't say that that's the norm yet, but it's growing. And I'm really, really pleased to see that because I think there's really great power for Chinese people and Chinese communities like the one that I'm in to team up <laughs> with <laughs> other Asian ethnic groups. Very cool. Well, thank you for joining us on our episode this week. This was a really fun and illuminating conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It's been really, really fun um, to connect (laughs) and to chat about some of our different experiences, similarities and differences. Um, My podcast called Yellow Bee Pod. Bee is in a bumblebee. And you can find it on wherever you're listening to this, I guess. And I would love to connect and hear from you if there's something here that you've learned about the British experience or can relate to that has resonated with you. And my favourite thing about my podcast is being able to meet different people that I otherwise would have never connected with, um, including you two. It's really, really cool. (laughs) Yeah, likewise. So... If you enjoyed this episode, please let us know if you have something to add about your experience. If you're living in a completely different country from the U.S. Mm -hmm. and U.K. where you are also an Asian minority, feel free to chime in, drop us a DM on Instagram, or you can email us at telluswhereyou'refrom at gmail.com. The year is Y-O-U-R-E. Come back next week, y'all, for another new episode. Um, And until then, Zai Jin, bitches. bitches. (laughs)